Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. What a beautiful first hour, and I can guarantee you what is to follow will be just as beautiful, but more importantly, just as engaging, certainly emotionally, if the conversation I had with my guest on Saturday was anything to go by. According to the National Department of Health, some 189 deaths this year alone were attributed to patients awaiting a life-saving organ transplant. Organ transplant is part of the ongoing discussion in the National Health Department's discourse with a number of issues contributing to the kidney transplant program, which include recruiting of some qualified specialists and sourcing the required health technological equipment. In addition to that, more South Africans need to be informed about organ donation because it can and does save many lives. A young kidney failure patient who was diagnosed at the age of 15 but didn't receive a transplant until age 28, in the show now joins us. She recounts her experience and discusses the work she does to promote the donation of organs. Now, this somehow hits very deeply and very closely to me. I, I know from what I've seen in the last three, four years what it looks like to be in this space. I have a brother who is on dialysis four time, three times a week, four hours at a time, what, four, eight, twelve, twelve hours of his week. He dedicates to being on that bed and having his body cleaned out. And if you factor in the time it takes to get there and the time it takes just to collect your senses after the four hours back at home, it becomes quite an integral part of somebody's life that really consumes one. Now, there are many reasons why people get to that point. It is a health story nonetheless, and a very human health story. And in the conversation I had with Chris on Saturday here in Johannesburg, it just became apparent to me that what my brother is going through actually is not so isolated a thing. The experience for him would be relatable, as it was for me in that conversation with Chris, because I was thinking about my brother. And there are many people who might not be represented specifically in this conversation, either because they are not Chris or not my brother, but this is relatable content. But the point of this very conversation is just to get people to think differently about their bodies once they're dead. I mean, I can't say it, I can't euphemize that, we're all going to die, and then the question is what happens after that? And we are going to engage some cultural aspects that might be attached to your body upon death. Chris, you know the draw. I gave it to you on Saturday. Please, I'll be led by you in this conversation. Talk to us about your journey as a young, healthy 15-year-old until you got the news that would shock many people who are adults, not least a 15-year-old who still has one's life ahead of one. And then at 15, hearing those news waiting 13 years before you could actually get the kidney and the process in that 13 years and from getting the kidney the changes and changes not necessarily the gains but the losses that came along the way i mean you told me some heart-wrenching stuff there that i wouldn't dare repeat absent you giving the permission or yourself taking the mantle to in your words speak about that so go on right ahead welcome to the platform and thank you so much for your strength to be here 
Thank you so much, and I'm so blessed to be here. Thank you so much to all the listeners for joining us. My name is Chris Simpson. I recently moved to Johannesburg from Cape Town, and I'm here to add value. My life has been changed as an organ donation recipient, and it's been a journey, I can tell you that. I first became aware of my, uh, my kidney problem when I was 15. My ankles started swelling. And I realized the next day it wasn't going down. So that's normally what we call an overload. My condition is known as nephritic syndrome. And basically what it means is the nephrons or all the, all the messaging is all messed up. So what's supposed to be inside is not staying in and what's coming out is not supposed to be coming out of your body. Um, on this journey, it was really, really trying. Um, I, I, I put myself off medication for a little while because I didn't understand it. It was so different. It was so new. It was so scary. I'm 15. You want to put me on 13 tablets a day? I was picking up so much weight. I was afraid. I didn't know what to do. It was the lack of knowledge being in that space. And I do understand that so many out there is facing the exact same. Um, yes, on this journey, you know, you and I briefly spoke about my journey, which was I started feeling foggy in the brain, not able to function like a normal human, I should say. The most obvious things I was known to as a girl who could fall up a stairs, kind of foggy, a little bit deadly, and it didn't help coming from Cape Town with my quirkiness as well. <laughs> so, um, yes, I eventually I did... I was blessed enough to be pregnant. I've been pregnant three times and only have one daughter. The two the two pregnancies I had to let go of. It was emergency of termination at six months pregnancy. And again, I luckily had an opportunity or the good medical aid, I should say, the good stuff. When I had my second pregnancy and I had, it was the exact same situation. My boy, I was pregnant with him until, four, um, until seven months and was able to fetch him with me medical help. Um, it was the same case, too much pressure on the kidneys. So I'm not sure if many women are aware out there, but you know, once you have something called preeclampsia, I was in a case where my partner at the time needed to choose between me and the baby. And that was the reality. I'm in my early twenties. I'm living my life. I'm having a hot girl bod summer. I'm ready to give it up for having a, you know, an, a new life. And, and that was taken away because because the kidneys couldn't hold anymore and the blood pressure was affected tremendously and sadly with the I get my my the first boy I gave up for research and hopefully saving the next baby my next baby or even another person's next baby coming from Kretskir. Second one unfortunately had passed away at four months four days my apology and that was a very 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 sad loss and a journey I had to go on. Uh, once that baby had, um, I had to bury that baby. So much was happening in my life as well. And I had to go on to dialysis. So let me explain to you what dialysis is. People think you uh, how just... How old are you when you are having to terminate the, the pregnancy or having to bury your child at four days? Who's there in your life at this time? Your state of mind. Sure, I, I was blessed enough to have my grandmother which is always the pillar of the family. It does take a bit of a village, and I did see who my friends and my real caring people are in my life at the time. So I had a small support structure, but it was enough at the time. 
where you know everybody please note that once you go and visit somebody in hospital please don't make it about you let's understand why you're there <laughs> so yes yeah, so dialysis on, at what age are you starting dialysis so i'm starting dialysis um 20 i have my first son was at 23 and i'm starting dialysis now at the age of going on to 26 this But is now because your kidneys are below a certain percentage and cannot on their own function to give you the healthy body you still need to function correct so you what percentage have, are we talking about here it should be less than 10 it should be measured according to your creatinine in your body yeah. um and normally it needs to be at a healthy is about 70 Mine was going to 930. And this just meant that everything the filtration system your body's fault everything is filled with muck it's not processing the kidneys function is to cleanse the body. And once that doesn't happen it affects from every little organ in your body. Your brain gets affected so much. Um It, I didn't realize how much it held me back in jobs I was doing. I was a smart girl. I am a smart person. I believe I am. Um, however, going through this process, sitting now as a kidney recipient and having clarity in my mind, I would think to myself, I am. I was dwarf, eh? That's what we call it. A little bit hazy every day of my life. Okay. The first dialysis session. Yeah, so that was the, you get all you get different types of dialysis. We have something called the peritoneal dialysis that is a pipe that is put inserted at is operation put an outpatient operation and they put it in your abdomen. Unfortunately, I had to go through two of those pipes. They just dysfunctioned completely. They didn't work. and immediately within that month i immediately needed to go on to hemodialysis that's the one that your brother is currently on whereby you need to go into hospital you sit on this machine 3 days a week 3 to 4 hours a day and this happened for 3 years of my life and interestingly enough that's a very short time well in comparison to everything else you've been through i would imagine it might feel It's three short years, but it's three heavy years at the same time. If it's short, heavy it's years. heavy because your body then changes. You are now having to engage your body a completely different way. Mentally, I would imagine there are conversations that are taking place that are very silent, hmm. yet very loud. Yes. And and because those conversations are happening in your head, your movements and your speech hmm. naturally follows in part part of what's happening in your head. your body changes i mean you get these veins popping out where they yes. put in the needle all the time mm. and at some stage they might be infected with septicemia and then they become life threatening mm-hmm. these are the things that are all within your scope all within your scope not forgetting you on tons of medication tons and tons and this week you take an injections for 3 weeks and next week you're not and then they increase medication then it comes down and this has a vast effect on the body like you said you know a bit you're a little bit more pudgy in the face and you don't feel pretty and your hair starts falling out and i had to go a little bit curly and cut it all off because these are the things that were affected and it affects the psyche a lot and you ask god and you're laying on that bed and you think to yourself i'm not adding value to this life to this world why am i here and these are the real loud questions being you asking yourself 
2117. Relatable content, I bet for many it might be. Conversation with Chris Simpson, kidney transplant recipient, now an organ donor activist and champion from Cape Town originally. She's now in Johannesburg, and we're about to get into the heavy part of this conversation, why organ donation is critical. People do it with just not thinking about it. I mean, you donate blood. If you've donated blood, you've donated, it's just not an organ, but you've donated your tissue. You've used your body to advance the life of another person. If you've done that, I would imagine it shouldn't be too difficult to then, upon death, avail your body for somebody else's life, as you would have done in your life. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. I, on my own, in fact, have not registered, precisely because I have a particular relationship with my body. I have a relationship even with my culture and what it might dictate for me upon death. I am, frankly speaking, disinclined to go that route. But having gone through the conversation I had with Chris, but more specifically the relationship I have with my brother and the the, the issues that it forces one to have as a conversation in one's head, the conversations we had to have in 2019 at the height of his condition and whether or not it was a day or two away before we were going to bury him or he was going to get onto dialysis. These are the margins we were dealing with. If this means anything to you, if this is a conversation in any way that you can participate and contribute towards, even to ask a question, frankly, even to think out loud, we certainly would appreciate your opinion. 2119, Chris Simpson is on. Okay, so you're on dialysis, you eventually get the kidney. Talk to us about that journey, what changes happened, and your moment of epiphany, the Damascus moment, if you like. Ah, my Damascus moment was the moment I was about to, they were harvesting the kidney from the the person donating. And I realized that is someone's friend, someone's sibling, someone's kid, and I needed to pay it forward. And this is just uh, one of the opportunities I've been afforded. Thank you again, SAFM. And I had the transplant and three weeks I was like a butterfly. I felt I was cocooned and I didn't know what was going on around me and everything just opened up. My skin became better. My mind was 100 times better than it was. I was like a SpongeBob SquarePants. I'd always always say I was like SpongeBob SquarePants where I just absorbed knowledge. I was so hungry for it. Um... I just wanted to learn new things and my brain wasn't just storing it in this cocoon. I was storing it and it was being processed and I was being active about the information I was getting. So much so today I am a founder of you know, my own company, um, trying to do my part to increase employment in South Africa. And I could never fathom thinking about running my own company, being on dialysis or waiting for a kidney transplant because the brain capacity just didn't allow it. The body didn't allow it. You just tired all the time and I had renewed energy. My life was changed. My life was saved. The waiting periods associated with something like a kidney, the black market for a kidney. I mean, if we start talking about countries like India, for instance, we know there's a major black market simply because of the just, what, 700 million plus people living in poverty in India where that then becomes a very real option. I've got two kidneys. Can I score $1,000 in the black market, up to 10000 possibly even more? What is that conversation in the South African context, if at all? 
I must say South Africa, they are doing the most. The laws have definitely improved a lot more around that. Interesting story. When I was waiting for my transplant, I, I made a decision. I said I'm going to be genuinely happy for somebody who gets a transplant besides me. And I'm going to start adding value. During this time, our, our country centralized the transplant system and made it within the if you closest to the transplant available it you would be the next person on the list and just three months after this change on this list and I believe it's the decision that I made um, you know being more active in being transplant uh, being part of the organ donation foundation I took that opportunity and I got my transplant three months after they centralized the system in South Africa so it's a very it's a it's it's a very well kept system, and they're constantly striving to do better. And I can only say this because I'm in inside. I'm the, mm. I'm on the inside, and I'm seeing it, and I'm experiencing it, and I am benefiting from it as well. Perhaps what we should also say, just for those who have been given the kind of like I wouldn't say diagnosis, but getting the medical attention that suggests go and attend to this now. The importance of that, the risk associated with delaying the seeking of that medical attention and what other issues it invites. I mean, you're talking about a central system. I would imagine the waiting periods ordinarily mm. are long, long in the context of waiting for a, an organ that your body needs. And yes. with each passing day, the strength of your body so wanes. Mm. Yeah, the importance, don't delay it. Um, your kidney, it's a kidney disease, is a silent killer. It's as simple as that. It, 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 it's killing you because you are not allowing your body to keep in what needs to remain in the body and what needs to come out of the body. And it's not that filtration system is not not working. It's just like a drain. If you keep backing, backing it up and it keeps mucking up, you'll see that you're not able to actually unclog it after a little while. You know, it, you need to use some chemicals to break it down and, and look at it like that. Um, but it's, it is a scary process because of miscommunication and the lack of communication. More often than not, people not knowing what questions to ask. And, and because you've been putting it off so long when you should be asking the questions, you haven't gone through the process yet. Our doctors and our specialists in our countries are the creme de la creme. I must, must say that. They know what they are doing and they are smart. And I have been surprised numerous times by the pro our professors from Cape Town and in Johannesburg. A really, really great um, doctor system in that. And they do do their best. Nurses, doctors, entire staff. Um, there is a long waiting period, yes. And the, the, re the main reason for the long waiting period is the lack of education. Unfortunately, it, the people of color are not being donors. And the majority of South Africans are people of color. So you're going to have a huge need of people needing transplant. And for whatever reason, people are not willing to donate or be organ donors, which is pushing, which is making this transplant list even longer. And it, it's, it is, that is what it is. It's 
too many co- people of color are not coming forward and not being organ. Why is donors. that? Let, let me just continue to use my name because I think it's easier that way. Then I don't have <laughs> um, a bias one way or the other, other than through my own experience. In 1994, I was in Santa Two, and a guy who was my classmate, Christos Evstathio, had to have bone marrow transplant. I mean, that was just a conversation. I was 10 years old. I wasn't trying to think about potentially enrolling myself or enlisting myself. Mm. Worst case should happen, my body now be in somebody else's body. Fast forward a few years, this incident with my brother takes place, and I still was just feeling, no, I can't. Well, I wasn't invited to make a donation. Not that that was a conversation, but internally I would have had conversations like, goodness, does it come to this? Does it potentially mean I give up a kid? That conversation could never have been comfortable for me. I was like, I'm, I'm, no, 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 no. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm still alive. I, I can't lose an, an organ. Not that it changed at the idea of my being dead. Would I still enroll my body for scientific research or to extend somebody else's life? The question then becomes why? For me specifically, there's a bit of a culture associated with it. Mm. I've never seen that. I've never experienced it. I don't know how it would happen, what it would mean between the confirmation of my death and my funeral, how I would look, because looking at somebody and the viewing of the body is just as important as the burial itself. Mm. Certainly it is for me. How then, this is somebody who I would say, open, close quote, is exposed. My first experience was as a 10-year-old in 94. Mm. It hit home very closely in 2019 and continues to. And yet, frankly, I'm mm, probably not. Mm. How much more then to those who are on the margins of the information that I have and even absent in this conversation? How do you win that community over? What is it that should be this education stroke advocacy campaign? Honestly, uh, right now, there's a lot of things we need to take into account. And the Organ Donation Foundation is very aware of this and very sensitive and empathic and sympathetic, uh, empathic, yes, to everybody's cultures. And that is has been um, also a little bit of the, the added problem mm. because tribalism needs to be respected. You know, a lot of people believe the way you came into this country, I mean, to this world is the way you should be leaving this world. Even when they're doing the transplant, it's such a respectful process. And people think, oh, they're ripping your organ out and they're ripping your eyeballs out and they're just putting it in. It's such a respectful process. And it comes back down to the lack of education and and when you say organ transplant you're 10 years old you must be thinking oh my gosh what's gonna what if i'm alive you know and they take my kidney or something like that you know um it comes down to people need to see be exposed and only and we we should be trying to move more away from it shouldn't first happen to me for me to be an advocate for it and that comes down to how what are we teaching our babies in our health system when i say babe, what are we teaching our preschoolers what are we teaching uh, uh what are we ha- what are the conversation the babies of our countries are having with the with the gogos of our nation for mm. example you know and and i believe that this can be beaten through education um and we need to speak each and every person's language number one when educating and then also understanding and being empathic toward their cultures. And once we have that respect and that education hand in hand, I believe we will go so far. This is not an isolated Cape Town girl situation or a Joburg moving person situation. This is a national thing. And we can help each other through education. Um, I'm very passionate about it. And I think that anybody who wants to know more should get in contact with the Organ Donation Foundation of South Africa. 
We have just shy of five minutes left in this conversation. If you're inclined to participate, please do. 86 2032 That's the number to call to speak. 0614-104-107. That's the number where you drop us a text message or a voice note. Keep the voice note if you're bringing one onto the platform, please, to less than a minute. The production team will give me a signal if there are any such contributions from those at home. If I were to say you have five minutes to pitch to the listeners as to the importance of rethinking their approach to enlisting their organs on the Organ Donation or Organ Foundation of South Africa, whilst making allowance, if you like, for the cultural attachments one might bring into this conversation, what would you say? I mean, between the statistics the psychology of it all, the benefit there is to that one person who can never thank you enough. Put it this way, I mean, there's there's this video on social media that I happened to see once, and it's an American um, parent who lost his daughter in a car accident, and then that young lady had enlisted her body for organ donation, or the parents wanted that body to be useful to somebody else. And they took her heart and they transplanted it into a young male's body who obviously had a weak heart or some problem with his heart. Mm. That not only formed a relationship between the respective families, but from time to time to keep a relationship alive with his daughter, the father would then go and visit the recipient and just put his hand on the recipient's heart, Mm. which to him would be, my daughter lives through you. Mm. I thought that was incredibly touching and special. Mm. Probably too few and far between those cases. But certainly there's a colleague of mine, actually, I'm not going to mention him by name because I've done this conversation by him, who can relate equally Mm. with this having been useful to somebody else, medically speaking. Let's have a pitch to the listeners at home about the importance of the availability of organs. Yeah. Hi, my name is Chris Simpson. I've been a organ transplant recipient post nine years now. I want to let you know heaven doesn't need your organs. We need it here on earth. I have gone from an inactive South Africa, an inactive economic contributor in my country to now being a proud founder of the employment technology of South Africa in the tech of fashion, doing my part, help me, people like me and people, fathers especially and mothers, help them raise their kids by being an organ donation, organ donor, my apologies. Come on, guys, be a hero. Save a life. We do have two voice notes. Songezo, uh, this is Piwe from Malugazi. I got a question before the question in hand. Is an HIV or somebody who thinks is HIV positive? Is it possible for the person to donate organs? Maybe after you answer this question, I'll be able to send in my next question. Hi, good evening, Sungezo and Chris. Uh, the, the issue of compatibility, uh, are you likely to donate to your immediate family members or is it is it is it is there a likelihood of you donating to a total stranger 
So how does it work? Uh, do you just budge into and 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 ask to donate a kidney, or do you have to necessarily wait for somebody that somebody who uh, who desperately needs it? How does it how does it work? This is Alba from the Eastern Cape. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for your questions. Very appreciate that. Simpiwe, regarding the HIV and AIDS position, HIV position and being an actual donor, I'm going to refer you to the Organ Donation Foundation website. It's www.odf.za. And the reason for that, that's a bit touch and go. Um, there have been certain cases I've heard of, but I don't want to give, I don't want to go on, on something that I am not don't know the exact facts on. So I would suggest you either email Megan, M-E-G-A-N, at odf.org.za or odf.za. And um, it's Kaba. Kaba, yeah. Kaba. Kaba, you can, um, it's always better to don't it's very it's a lot easier to donate if it's family because you are more compatible most likely but one become an organ donor you can go and register online right now if you'd like www.odf.za and you're you would they would run the certain tests and make sure that the first available compat compatible um person for the organs at the time that's necessary so you can donate even when you're alive a kidney to a, a kidney a kidney to a kidney recipient because you're able to live with one kidney and this is happening right now it's been happening for eons people have lived for many many years in that way as well so please become an organ donor um, you can register on the website feel free to ask as many questions as you like there's no wrong question and there's no stupid question as they would say Anything else you wish to say, Chris? We're wrapping the segment up now. Thank you so much. Please become an organ donor. You can either call them on 0800 226611. It's a toll-free number or www.odf.za. Become an organ donor. Don't be shy. Heaven doesn't need your organs. We need them. Yeah. <laughs> well, 2135, that's the sales pitch. Well, it's a lot more than a sales pitch. I think it's a very human pitch for a very human concern and problem and story. And for many, a very relatable conversation that we've had. It's not just kidneys, of course. Kidneys were the entry point, but your organs are required. And perhaps we should have a far more tailored conversation, even debate and hear the views of those who are strictly opposed, be it religious or cultural, because it all ultimately gets us to a better place of understanding. I don't think people can ever argue if they don't understand each other, and the basis of argument, one way or the other, is understanding. So on another day, we'll continue the conversation for now. Thank you, Ms. Chris Simpson. Thank you so much. 2136, folks, thanks for your audience. We have another 24 minutes left until the top of the hour. 22, remember, no storytelling now. We own quite literally the two-hour platform. So after this, Miss Ann Morton, principal at Pinelands North Primary School, in conversation with us.